0: And welcome to another edition of the Big Nick Energy Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Yoke, the bald kid wonder. My co-host, the very brolic, very special, very beautiful, Brad Dressler. And we got a very special guest today, Tommy D, creator of modernmba.com and the modern skill rating for a current or former high school basketball coach? Former. Former high school basketball coach, featured in SNY before and well-known well known around the Knicks community. Find him at, at Thomas C.D., D-E-E at the end. Tommy and Brad, how are you guys doing?
1: I'm excellent. Couldn't be better. It went to the Knicks game last night. They won. That's, that, that's a pleasure in itself. Uh, not going to talk too much about the Yankees because I know I, I, I I've already read the room, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited.
0: Tommy, how you doing?
1: Joey, I'm doing great. It's great to
2: be with you guys. And uh, yeah, um, no Yankee talk would be great. Um, and uh, and Former high school coach going back a uh, quite a while. And um, yeah, I appreciate the modern NBA shout out. I've uh, uh, been doing actually last year was my 10th year doing the NBA scouting thing. So uh, it was kind of a big number. So I've I'm, I'm been excited about that and sort of where we've been going with everything. So great to be with you guys.
0: Since you've hit a full decade before we actually dive into Nick stuff, a uh, full dec- decade of basketball scouting, what are little tidbits that you have found out over your time that you didn't know going in? Like what to look for?
2: About a player specifically or about the whole industry? I, learned I would a say lot.
0: players first. Uh, and then if you want to give like a, a behind the scenes look, then yeah.
2: So one of the biggest things I would say is at least what I've come across is the, the relationship between player and coach, especially in college, um, and specific specific combinations, think Buzz Williams, Marquette, and his guys, right? Obviously Jimmy Butler, um, Wesley Matthews, you know, a handful of guys that he, he was able to uh, work with to get them to become NBA players and now he's doing a really good job at Texas A&M. Um, you know, that's the first one that comes to mind. Certain guys that are just – Um, you know, they're going to produce really good people and really good professionals. Um, that's, that's sort of, uh, uh, it's something that, um, didn't really think much into until it started doing this. Um, you know, a lot of background stuff, just understanding people and just how important the relationships are. And then on the court stuff, it's mainly, um, you know, just seeing things from different angles is, is important. When I first started it was oh we can do everything digitally and you know oh, we can see things just on tape and there's so many things that you see in person and um a whole different vibe that you get and Brad I'm sure you know that just from obviously being at the game last night but the the different points of view um collectively sort of come together to to evaluate a player which is why you know in an organization not one person makes a decision for the entire organization right it's input 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 and then you know, let's go with the consensus that checks
0: out. That does make sense. I was going to just one more question about that before we actually get into the next stuff. Uh, can you notice from a younger age, like players that like know how to work a ref or like know how to like kind of like work their teammates or opposing uh, players like through like talking or anything like that, or do you not really get that until pros because they're not allowed to talk as much?
2: Working meaning like trying to get calls or just working like as in um, like making themselves become a favorite.
0: Yeah. Look for calls, look for edges, like, like a, like a player, asks the ref, how's your family doing stuff like that.
2: Cole Anthony was great at that. I saw Cole do that in high school um, at a, probably, you know, 15 or 16 years old. I thought Cole was NBA ready at 17 Um, RJ Davis. I was lucky. uh, I got a chance to watch him a lot. RJ Davis is the point guard at uh, North Carolina led them to the final four last year, sort of out of nowhere. Um, but anybody familiar with him from high school knows, um, you know, sort of what he was about and his ability to draw fouls and um, put the defense in really bad spots um, to work for his advantage and his teammates. So you can see that at a young age. Yeah, and it's, um, it's something that, you know, is is pr- if you know what you're looking for, it, it can present itself very loudly and I think some evaluators don't necessarily see that, and I feel like that's um, that could be an advantage. You know, you could bring uh, when in, when evaluating a player. That's awesome to actually hear and find out. Brad,
0: do you have any takes on that?
1: Yeah, it's just funny that you mentioned like uh, players, uh, you know, getting getting inside the head of the refs and like being buddy buddy with them. Uh, it just so happened that at the game last night, the female ref that like you know that viral video of Luka Doncic like flirting. With that yes. female referee, <laughs> she was at the game, and it just so happened that I was there as well. So it's just funny that you brought that up, like a uh, uh, you know a player, uh, you know being buddy buddy with uh, with refs and so on and so forth.
0: Did you try to flirt with yeah. her from ten rows back? Uh,
1: I, I I did. I, I batted my eyelashes <laughs> a little bit. It was it was a lot of fun. I waved that shades, at her. Shades, shades or no shades? shades uh,
2: are
1: I tried both. I tried both, and it just didn't work. Unfortunately, either or. <laughs>
0: I like if you get denied one way, put the shades on. It's an alias. She doesn't know. She already said no to you.
1: Uh, To go into the Knicks. Yeah, totally different person. Go ahead, (laughs) Joe.
0: Exactly. To go into the Knicks stuff, the last two games that they had, the preseason games to end since the last episode we had, they lost 109-100 at Indiana uh, on Wednesday, October 12th. Uh, The starters actually all at a plus, plus, minus. They did relatively well for the main part of their uh, rotation that's going to play during the regular season. The bench players, the second team unit, bench mob, whatever you want to call them, played the last 15 minutes of the game. Uh, Notably, no timeouts by Tom Thibodeau, which annoyed some people, thinking that they needed, one, get quickly to stop jacking threes, and two, to actually call offensive plays. But I think he had a hot date or something. That's why he didn't call any timeouts. And then the most recent game uh, to end the preseason, they won 105-89 against the Wizards. And I think, if anything, this showed two things. One, Tom Thibodeau. Probably loved the game because it was very defensive minded. Uh, the wizard shot 25% from three, which I know Tom loves. And we actually put our, like, it was the most like real rehearsal that we had for the whole preseason that the starters were actually out there to four minutes left and really held down defensively. Uh, Tom, if you want to give your takes on the preseason as a whole, and then go to Brad.
2: Yeah. So it's funny. It's in, is in Nick Twitter um, amazing in so many ways you know, the, yes. the first game that you mentioned, I, I love the actually I thought their most impressive performance was the first game against the Pacers. Yep. Um, I thought the fourth quarter of the second game, you know, was an audition for the, the Cam Radishes and, um, you know, Deuce, I think we feel is, is going to probably be, you know, more of a further reserve down the bench. Uh, as Grimes works his way back in and they sort of really get an idea of what they want to do. I I think with quickly. And of course the injuries uh, you know, hopefully Derek Derek Rose stays uh, you know, healthy for the most part, but there's always a question mark there. Um, But I feel like you can't have it both ways, right? Playing them 15 minutes straight in a a way where they can showcase and sort of, you know, be um, allowed, you know, the freedom to, to do all those things. Uh, is important right because that's when you can really you know see a player probably be as most comfortable as they can be you know the then versus yesterday where it's you got guys who are starters <laughs> up 15 and then people are yelling about that too right it's like oh you know why is R.J. Barrett still in the game or why is this you know player still in the game Yeah. Um, you know Tibbs wanted to treat it very much like a regular season game you could tell that last night so uh, I thought the way that they have managed uh, minutes this year or this preseason has been significant. Um, Julius Randle getting 23 minutes is obviously not going to be the, the minutes will be higher than that as the regular season rolls out, but um, third and scoring for him behind RJ and Brunson, you know, to me, Brad, we've talked about this a lot in the offseason was, you know, this has to be the year where you just let RJ be RJ yep. and let Brunson make RJ great. Um, and I, I still, honestly feel like you know randall is a big presence if randall can continuously prove that he's you know going to take this back seat and be more of this role player um i think it can work I, I still have doubts i'm hopeful um and i and i'm hopeful because it's ha- we've seen it in the preseason and I, I i take a lot of positives out of that and how great barrett's played he's making three three-pointers a game in the preseason obviously a small sample size but Honestly, Brad, do you see any games where you look at him and think this guy's not going to make three, three, three pointers in a game? I mean, I see. I think he can make four or five a game, um, you know. But but never, you know, shoot. I don't think you know zero for twelve or something, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, I, I would love to see him take about five to six, maybe even upwards of seven shots a game. If he can even make just three of those for the entire season, I'm fine with it. You know um cuz i feel like that's going to really just help open up the rest of his offensive gauntlet that he can kind of unleash on other teams um you know his finishing at the rim he he finished with his right hand a couple of times yesterday which i was really impressed by and it's like everyone talks about how he can't finish with his right hand he renewing doing it way can. more he absolutely can um i'm i'm really excited to see him i i i really do think that he's going to take that jump and i'm i'm fingers crossed i do feel that this uh when it's all said and done this is going to look very similar to like uh jalen brown uh contract where he's going to outplay it very very soon into that deal uh now is in regards to julius Randle, the one promising thing that i've saw i've seen during this preseason so far was actually the fact that he hasn't brought the ball up very much if at all I was at the game yesterday. He, I, I don't recall him bringing the ball off the court once. I'm not, a, I'm not opposed to him being like a key figure in the offense. I just don't want point guard Randall. You're not LeBron James. I'm sorry. You might look like him body wise and and you know play like him in a lot of a lot of aspects, but you're just not LeBron James. You're not a point guard. You're not going to uh, break down an offense and a defense rather. You're not going to be a, a, a key facilitator. Like you're, you're a great passer for a big, but that's what you are. That's where it should, should stop. You know, it, it, now that we actually have a somewhat legitimate point guard, uh, combo guard, point guard, whatever you want to call him. He, he's a, he's a pretty damn good offensive, uh, offensive, you know, starter, I should say like facilitator. And, um, just having a big that can pass like him. I'm actually most, the thing I'm most excited about to see is when you have, there's going to be times where you have like a, a five on the court of Jalen Brunson, Quentin Grimes, who's a good pastor in his own right. Uh, or even Evan Fournier, who's a great pastor in his own right. RJ Barrett, Julius Randle, and Isaiah Hartenstein. Those five guys on the court all at the same time is going to be, lights out because I feel like there's going to be a lot of ball movement, a lot of off ball movement. I'm excited for this team. I don't see them being, you know, a, a serious playoff contender as of yet, but um, who knows? I mean, what, whatever the future brings, it brings. The
0: five you just mentioned sounds like something that Greg Popovich would be okay with. And I think honestly, where we're at as Knicks fans, it's like if you have a team that other coaches wouldn't mind coaching for various ways, I think is definitely a step in the right direction. Uh, to make it like a broad stroke question for both of you guys, who impressed you the most throughout training camp in the preseason? I know we're probably all going to say R.J. or Brunson, but just to hear you guys give the actual take.
2: Tommy, if you yeah, want to go first. Yeah. For, for me, it's Barrett. For me, it's Barrett. I mean, Brunson. I I, I think everybody knew, you know, what Brunson could be. Um, and hopefully this is, you know, just a, a, a real small glimpse into what will be something that we see every night. Um, his footwork is extraordinary. His leadership is, um, you know, precedes him. You know, anybody you talked to, who played with or associated with Villanova um, and even, you know, sort of on during his rise up through the high school and AU ranks knows that he was always going to be that guy. Um, but to me it's – and I see these articles like – and, and, you know, podcasts and other things where it's, you know, will R.J. Barrett make the next step and will you make the leap? And he made the leap last year. And I think every year he makes the leap, you know, finishing with his right hand, being a knockdown three point shooter, shooting off the move, shooting standstill. He made a corner three last night off an inbounds where he was standing still in the right corner and just absolutely drilled it yes did he have a couple sloppy turnovers for sure he's he's loose with the ball he's a big guy but he is as good as anybody um in transition in drawing contact in transition in kicking out transition following in secondary and trailers and you know getting Mitch Dunks and and Randall open threes etc etc um I I had this thought and, and just bear with me for a second because I've been doing this a very long time um and my gut instant instantly. And I tweeted it last night. Can you imagine RJ Barrett at 26 years old? Right. Um, he hasn't even come close to hitting his prime yet. I had the thought last night in watching it and I didn't tweet it, but I was texting some friends saying it. He's going to be in my mind, one of the best to ever do it at that position when it's all said and done. I mean, he's got 12, 13 strong years in front of him, as long as he's healthy His body is built to absorb, you know, everything, the minutes, the mileage, the contact. He's going to get eight, nine, 10, 11 free throws a game. Now he's making threes. He's going to make two, three, four, five threes a game. Um, He's a really good passer. He's a great teammate. He's a great defender. He's 22 years old. I I just, I feel like he's a player who um, is obviously just scratching the surface here. Um, I think fans know that they're frustrated, still frustrated over John Morant, and John Morant, by every definition, is the modern point guard. But RJ is the modern small forward, and I think it's even more like the modern combo forward guard. Um, and and I think he's going to be one of the best to ever to ever do it when it's all said and done. You just made me feel excited right here, like in my in my heart, in my stomach. But I got giddy, and I believe Dude. it, man. No bullshit. I, I that's I I was thinking about it. The biggest thing for me was mid-range free throws, finishing, with, finishing at the rim. Like, those are the boxes he's got to check this year. Last year was about three-pointers and, um, you know, just being able to handle the load of the minutes and, and playing at scale and playing well at scale, and he did last year. He was awesome last year. Um, so if he can finish around the rim and, and um, you know, just continue to, be, to get to the line and make 85%, 80%, um, he's going to be a 20-plus guy. And uh, yeah, he's going to be a star. I think he's got all NBA potential without question.
0: Right. Do you want to go?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, at, similar to him, uh, to Tommy, I, I, I do believe that uh, RJ Barrett is someone that we're going to have to really watch out for in the near future. Um, he, like Tommy said, uh, kind of like a, Two, three, com- like a combo forward. I, I think there, there's going to be times where you could actually run him when it makes sense. At even at the four, imagine a guy as athletic and skilled as R.J. Barrett at the four, um, kind of like a kind of like a Kawhi Leonard in a, in a lot of ways. Obviously, he's not as big yet, but he's. I mean, he's he's not far from it. As far as who's impressed me most, I feel like I expected a lot out of R.J. I expected a lot out of Jalen Brunson. I might rough, ruffle some feathers with this one. Julius Randle. You know, the fact that I, I feel like, you know, granted small sample size, granted preseason. Uh, my take right now is is it remains to be seen as to whether or not this is actually going to be uh, truthful. But yeah, man. I mean, the fact that he's relinquished the ball handling duties is is a huge step in the right direction for me. Like, I can see him in some offensive sets, bringing the ball up, but not every single time up the court, like he used to Um just his, his, he's still throwing like weak little screens every now and again, which I just, I hate to watch. And it's just like, what are you, what are you doing? You're 250 pounds of muscle. What are you doing? Just throw your body at somebody. Um But literally all muscle is like no body fat. He's like no body fat anymore. Like he used to be like baby fat, you know, now he's just like a chiseled Adonis. It's crazy. So it's like just the fact that, um, but I think he's playing within the offense. I, 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 maybe if this is wishful thinking, maybe this is just me hoping for the best, but I do believe that he's maybe over what happened last year and trying his best to get in the good graces of the fans and the coaches and the front office, and really just turn turn over a new leaf and really buy into, you know, working within the offense. That's the first thing that I noticed in game one. He's working within the offense, and that that's just a, a thing of beauty, you know? And then to stick on a positive note, I'll
0: go in the other direction, so Brad, keep going after this question, then Tommy, you can answer it as well. Uh, what should the, do you think the Knicks fans look forward to most? with the Jalen Brunson experience, what should we expect
1: positively out of Jalen this year? We have a fricking point guard period. <laughs> like we have, we have, we have an offensive initiator. Yeah. Uh, the best we've had in, in, in quite a long time. And I'm talking about every facet, like, you know, uh, Alfred Payton, probably a better, you know, probably a better defender, uh, maybe slightly lower of a, of a passer, but just overall, uh, in my opinion, a net negative, um Alec Burks obviously not just just not a point guard. So we've we've had to deal with a lot of BS the last couple of years. And I think that having his leadership, his his playoff pedigree, his just uh basketball acumen, uh just his he is so crafty. He is just such a pleasure to watch, especially in the paint. He gets into the paint with no effort, and he's six feet tall, you know. I'm I'm I I I'm on the record when I was still writing with daily Knicks from like two years ago, talking about what trades the Knicks should make for Jalen Brunson and stuff like that. I I've been high on this guy and I could not be more excited to have him on the team.
0: I'm just super excited to watch someone six foot one with not the highest athletic ability, just be able to mind mess with a bunch of seven foot centers that can jump out of the gym and just get wide open layups. Like he did on Isaiah Stewart over and over again. Yep. Uh Tommy, I know you mentioned his leadership, especially even from a young age. Uh is it that about Jalen Brunson or what else would it be that you uh are anticipated or excited about the most?
2: Yeah, no, he it's it's how people and and teammates gravitate uh towards him for um like last night there was a great example. There was a bad inbounds pass. I think it went out of bounds. I think uh Hartenstein threw it. Um, and right away, Brunson sort of like, you know, gave him the, you know, what was that? And then immediately was like, all right, cool, we're good, let's move on. And, you know, that sort of stuff, those plays, if, if not um, handled right amongst teammates, can linger for three or four, five, six consecutive possessions. And the next thing you know, a team goes on an eight, 10, 12, you know, whatever run. Uh, and, you know, those are demoralizing situations that leaders, you know, basically put out those fires immediately. And I, I thought that was a great example um, when I was watching that, but that's, that, that's comes in no surprise based off of, um, you know, his background and, and his time at Villanova, you know, Villanova to me has been right up there with Duke, Kentucky, you know, with producing great pros, modern pros. Um, and, you know, I think he was probably right, right up there with the first you know, we could talk about Kyle Lowry going back 10, 15 years for sure, um, but then there was a little bit of a delay and then, you know, this, that sort of next wave. Um, I'm most excited that they have what I would consider, to use a football analogy, a real balanced offense, right? Anytime you can get in the paint, it's the same thing as controlling the line of scrimmage on the ground um so to be able to have Brunson basically get in the paint whenever he wants which Alfred Payton did no one wanted to give him credit for shout out Brad you did you just did. I love that he was able to get in the paint whenever he wanted lived in the paint and that collapses the defense it controls the line of scrimmage or in the in the NBA you know obviously the the free throw line extended um which just makes your offense go in the half court if you don't have that You know, it's one of those things where people talk about is quickly a point guard and, you know, can can he come in and be a starter? This was before Brunson, obviously. Um, Quickly's not a guy who can do that for you, which is why he has to settle for longer shots. Uh, And and that, you know, can really disconnect your offense if those shots aren't falling. Um, But as it relates to Brunson, his footwork, just being able to get into the paint, arsenal of mid-range shots, pump fakes, just getting guys off balance. When you can consistently get not just bigs, but mediums off balance, uh, you're going to have a lot of success, and that's what Brunson's mastered, right? He's mastered the art of the bigger guys, you know, getting them to sway a little bit, getting them to stand up out of their stance, blow by, lo- floaters, passing, alley-oops, the whole thing. He made a play in the first Pacers game where he sort of faked this the post-entry to Randall. And then kind of look away to, uh, to Robinson, who was wide open. And the reason why Robinson was wide open somehow was because I think ter- Miles Turner was the one who was going to double on Randall. You know, the last 10 years, that would have been an easy dump into Randall. We would have sat around and watched five dribbles and probably a fadeaway in late clock. But to be able to make that sort of decision um, just, just by sort of the, the nuances of skill um, I think that is what gets me most excited about Brunson. He just no, he just has a feel. You can't teach
0: the last, uh, the last time we actually had a point guard, it wasn't too long ago, but long enough. The last time we had a point guard that I feel like would be able to make that pass was Raymond felon. Me. I mean, so it's been a decade yep,
2: yep. More or less hundred percent, hundred percent.
0: Uh, so on a, on the other side of the coin, who did you guys both feel left more to be desired in the preseason and training camp? Uh, Tommy, if you want to go first.
2: Yeah, um it's a great one, you know. They played well. Um Reddish is an easy one, you know. He he did get an opportunity and um didn't take advantage of it, you know, unfortunately. Um you know, I I know he was hurt, but you know, I think I think Grimes now the microscope is on Grimes, right? And and I think because Quickly played a lot and didn't play well, I think Quick Quickly's sort of an easy one to point to, but you know, Grimes. There, there's, there's no. <laughs> he's under the microscope, right? Anytime you had an opportunity to make a, a big trade and bring in a player like Donovan Mitchell, um, you know, y- you don't make it because you want to keep guys, and and obviously Grimes was on top of that list. Um, last year he got hurt with the knee. That was the second time he's had the issue with that knee. So you know, he's got to play in order to, uh, I would say, stay on top of his skill set, right? Like. He's not a pure driver. He's not a great driver in my mind. He's not super explosive um, and he's not the greatest shooter I've ever seen. Right. So he's got to really get those reps to be an effective player in what they're trying to do. Right. He's got to come in last night. He came into the game. He missed shots. Like you come into the game off the ball. You can't miss shots in this league. You miss shots in this league off the ball from his spot turns into transition and, you know, that that is where, you know, momentum goes in direct in the direction of the other team and, and you know, can really take away a lot of the momentum that that first unit brought. So he's got to elevate his game to make sure that that second unit matches now this really strong first unit and their, their outputs here early on.
0: Agreed, especially if it wants to ever actually push Fournier for some of his minutes, he's going to have to actually show that he's worthwhile and that it's mostly just a shooter spot up spot with the way the offense is ran and with the other guys they have. Uh, Brad, I know you and I both already had our feelings about Cam and they were both net negatives. I would say outside of mentioning Reddish, who else let you down this preseason? Personally, before you go, I think IQ and us constantly wanting him to be a point guard or become some point guard-like handler, just the way he honestly, it seems like he was doing give and goes for himself and jacking up shots too much left me disappointed. It's like he added muscle and lost basketball skill over the off season. Uh, What do you say though?
1: Yeah. You hit the nail on the head. You know uh, I think, I think quickly really just let us down. Um, You know, they gave him an opportunity in game three to kind of run the point several times. And he, he, he failed, especially in the second half. Um, Although they gave him like, you know, I, I think back to even summer league, what was it last year or the year before or whatever the case may be when they, yeah, last year. Right.
0: There was no summer Um, league
1: two years ago because the COVID had to be last year. When, when they had, yeah. Whenever it was that. No. So two summer leagues ago.
0: 2021. Well, yeah. Not including this past one.
1: 2021. When quickly was running the point (laughs) in, in, um in summer league, you know, they, he was, he was doing well, but obviously it's against like, super low level uh, talent across the board. If, if running Alec Burks at the point for half a season didn't tell us enough that this, this front office, this coaching staff just does not believe in Emmanuel quickly as a point guard. They keep trying to kind of fit that square peg into a round hole. Unfortunately, I'm fine with him being like a score first guy. It's just that he can't do what he did. Thankfully, it was a preseason game. doesn't really matter. But we have seen this from him on a number of occasions where he just like sometimes decides like, I'm going to be a Chuck. I'm going to throw up as many shots as possible. And whatever whatever falls in, falls in. Sometimes he'll hit you with a 30-point game. Other times he'll hit you with a stinker like the other night. I Listen, I'm not... I'm not in the business of getting down on Emmanuel quickly. I love the kid. Um, he brought us, he brought us as in fans, the most exciting Knicks season. One of the, one of the most exciting Knicks seasons ever, like top five, top 10, for sure. So it's like, I'm not going to get down on the kid. I know he's, you know, we, 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 the, the hardcore fans, we always try to cover and, and defend the, 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 the strays at RJ Barrett. The same thing has to go for quickly as well. So I'm not. I'm not really. Again, I'm not in the business of throwing the kid under the bus. But he can't have performances like that, especially if he's being given opportunities that he may or may not deserve. So, so I
2: just want to jump in on that because I agree, and I think this quickly point guard, you know, um, campaign <laughs> is is been has been driven a lot online and not so much by anybody within the organization, certainly not as the head, you know, from a head coaching perspective. Um, One thing that I can say just from an evaluation perspective, you know, folks who think that, you know, March and April performances carry more weight um, than November and December performances have it backwards because November and December are, in the NBA now, right, it, it's sort of like the wrestling out of the gate, <laughs> uh, you know, in a marathon, right, trying to jockey for position and, and, you know, people trying to break out of the pack. And there's a lot of, you know, scratching and clawing to make that happen. That, that's when you see the most optimal effort. Everybody's mainly healthy, um, assuming they didn't, you know, pull any hamstrings or groins or anything in training camp. So you're getting the best of the best from teams in November and December. And Quickly's number's historically are, are not great in fact they're they're unimpressive so i think what happens when, when those points are brought up it swings to the other side which is well did you see him last april did you see him getting triple doubles you know in march you know when let's face it that effort is not nearly as high as it is in in november and december um He's not able to, like I said before, he's not able to get in the paint at will. He needs screens to be able to get into the paint. Floater game is, I would say, slightly above average, and I think it's overrated by a lot of folks. Um, but to me, he's most effective when he's playing off of Derrick Rose with the, in that second unit as the fourth Thank guard you. off the bench and really makes you a strong team and I I got a lot of flack from from quickly hive on twitter for calling him fourth guard and to me it was a compliment because if he's your fourth guard you're probably winning like 50 55 games you know like um campaign for the Suns is their fourth guard right like that team is extra is really really good not extraordinary but really really good right like that's a 55 61 team so if you're if you're in that position, like that's a really nice position to be in. You don't have to be a 40 minute per game point guard in New York, you know, on a 35 win team and say, you know, you're, you know, you're, you're living your best life or whatever. Right. It's about winning. It's about, you know, being in the best position to help a team, you know, exceed its expectations. That's where I just like him in the role of come off the bench, play with energy, get stuff organized. Um, you know, and, and pair well with Toppin so that, you know, that energy can light the garden up when things get a little dull. Um, and, and that magic is something you don't want to just turn off, right? Like that's a real pair and one that um, as long as Randall's here, Toppin's not going to start. So you might as well just keep quickly and Toppin together off the bench. Yep. I, I agree I, with
0: that entirely. I actually am super glad you mentioned Toppin because I wanted to, especially with the numbers he got in March and April, because a lot of people put a lot of merit in the like last 10 to 15 games of the year. And unless you're actually vying for a playoff spot, more teams are tanking than not. So the fact that people bring up like Top and got a triple double, Top and got a 40 point game, and IQ also benefited a lot from teams playing slightly above G League level competition. Um, is there what can Toppin build on that? And can Top and get twenty two plus minutes a game this year somehow, some way?
2: with randall here no but um i think i think where Obi is with the organization it's you know let's just continue on the track that we're on keeping the energy guy off the bench you know they're gonna have to make contract decisions with both him and quickly right um you know so it's it's gonna be interesting to see how they balance that but if you saw the move he made uh going to the basket against the Pacers and finishing. I don't think it was over Turner. I'm trying to think who it was over, but he went hesitation uh, to the left and (laughs) was able to actually finish below the rim. But I thought it was one of his most impressive finishes because he was able to get from almost, you know, the three point line in that slot area in an isolation all the way to the basket, which really gave me the Tatum vibes that I've seen from him. You know, in in uh little little bits and pieces over, you know, but again, I've I've been lucky. I've watched him since he was 13. He was a guard. He was a six two guard, had guard skills and great wow. handle, and then all of a sudden shot up to six nine, went prep, and then was at a, was was at Dayton. Um, you know, and, and the rest is history, right? But what an interesting um, career this dude has had to get to the NBA at such an old age. And uh an impact guy, right? I mean a force of energy, like a force, force of nature. And to your point, Joey, like, he's, yeah, the 40 points or whatever, the, the triple-double, like, you don't want to completely dismiss it, but, it, you know, they're definitely, um, you know, to me, uh, I, I would say um, not nearly as impressive as doing it in November or December again, but um, he's a rotation player. There's no doubt. He's an NBA legitimate rotation player on a team, on a playoff team. Um, so you not have to prove anything. The only thing now it's, is how do you increase that? Um, usage and as long as Randall he, R- Randall's here, it's going to be challenging. But um, you know, I think the, the future is off the charts for him, and he just needs to stay the course and keep doing what he's doing because he's getting better, and uh, that's a big deal. Brad, go ahead. I know you wanted to mention something off of that.
1: Tatum, holy <laughs> moly I, I mean, uh, hey, I
2: mean Tatum. Um... Some vibes there, man. I've been seeing it. It's uh mid post going left and right hesitation floater finishes finishing at the rim. Like he's not a pure stroke shooter, but you know, he's, there's, it's not Amari Stoudemire, right? It's not, yeah. we're not just looking at, you know, the new and improved Amari. Like this guy has legitimate, legitimate modern forward skills.
0: Also tries way harder on defense Amari, I think kind of wanted a matador half the time.
2: True that
0: I mean, no lateral.
1: awesome. I love exactly. That.
0: No lateral movement. I mean, he had bad knees most of his career. Uh, Brad, if you want to start for the next topic, we're going to do to get into like a little, little mini preview. We're going to try to go to like five thirty-five, give or take. Um, so for the, I like using over unders is like a good projection of where teams are expected to go more so than just reading a bunch of like, like if you read a bunch of beat writers from each team, either they think they're going to tank for one Biyama or they're going to win the title. And there's not much in between. The Knicks are projected in the East to be 10th through over-unders. It's set at either 38 or 39 and a half, depending on where you look. Uh, So, Brad, 39 and a half, do you think the Knicks should go over or under, and how do they get there?
1: Between, like you mentioned, between all these teams that, like, I want to say within the month before the All-Star break, they're going to kind of look themselves in the mirror and be like, do we suck and are we just going to tank for web and Yama or are we going to try to make the playoffs? One or the other, right? Um, I personally, so a, a stat that I found really interesting. And I, I mentioned, I think I mentioned this on the last pod with you, Joey Scott Perry has made a rotation altering move uh, trade. I should say every single Trade deadline, that he's been a part of a, a key component of a front office, whether it's with Orlando before, um, and then of obviously the Knicks, Derek I like where Rose. Like we're going here, yeah, Derek Rose, Cam Reddish, so on and so forth. Um, and for some reason, we've also made trades a month prior to the the deadline. So these are most likely conversations that were had in the off season and then you know they 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 kind of let things halt for a, a little, little bit, bit and then eventually sooner than later they decide to pull that trigger maybe it's the optimistic fan in me i see this i see this as a especially if they make a move where a, a win now move not necessarily for a star but a win now move that that changes the the makeup of the you know, 10 guys that we see on the court today. I see this being a 45 win team. Call me crazy, you know? But again, there's gonna be a lot of teams like the Indiana's, like um, you know, obviously the 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 Orlando Magic, the um there's whatever the uh, Oklahoma City, Houston, you name it. A lot of Utah, these teams,
0: San Antonio, some teams are tanking. Yeah,
1: exactly. Like there's gonna be a lot of teams that are absolutely tanking, and then there's gonna be the guys that are on the cusp that are like well, shit, <laughs> you know, let's let's, like a let's Washington, Charlotte, Sacramento. Yeah, there's there, uh, Charlotte specifically, Uh, maybe, 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 maybe not Washington. But yeah, uh, there's going to be a lot of teams out there that halfway through the season, they're going to be like, ah, well, fuck this. And then just kind of call it quits halfway through. So we're going to get some cheap wins, but a win's a win. I'll take it.
0: Just Tommy, before you go, just so everyone knows, a 45-win team last year in the East East is only the eight seed, just to throw out how strong the East is now. Uh Tommy, again, the numbers 39 and a half. They're projected to be 10th currently. Uh, over under that. And then how do you think they get there?
2: Yeah, I I think they have to be old, they have to be over. Um, just from an organizational standpoint, I think their goals are higher than 38. 38- uh, I think they need to make the playoffs um I think there is the uh, onus on some, maybe some jobs if they don't um you know make no mistake they need to they, they need to really take a step forward um, and and not the let's face it two or three steps back they took last year um how do they get there yeah I think it's you know what other opportunities did they have on the table that they didn't pull the trigger on you know in in being you know sort of involved in the Mitchell discussions is that uh Gilgis Alexander, you know, where does he fit? Um who, you know, who would they package to make that happen? To me, it's, you know, how can they elevate the big forward spot with the starters, um, you know, and, and getting a, you know, a consistent, you know, three-point threat who can defend a few spots and create more space for their drivers. Um, so, you know, I I would say that's how they would get there. I agree with Brad that it's probably through some deal big or small, um, you know, and the only way that it can go South again is, you know, if, if Randall sort of goes off, if, if Rose gets hurt and then if Randall sort of goes off the script and, you know, it becomes, you know, a lot of isolation ball. And, um, you know, the one thing I still see with Randall that, Um, maybe not everybody sees, but it's, it's definitely something that jumps off the screen for me, which is, especially with Fournier, like when they run sets for Fournier, the passes that Randall throws to Fournier are never really good. And, uh, when they're good, you know, Fournier generally makes them work and and the shots that, you know, that are open go in. And when they're not good, the shots don't go in, which is not a surprise. Um, but, Conversely, or I guess inversely, when you do that with Randall and you don't throw the ball to him where he wants it, he gets very visibly upset and annoyed. uh, Even though he does the exact same thing to other guys, so uh, I don't know as a player like how you play with that, manage that, and you know do do all those things. They've been able to do it, Um, you know. But there are just some quirky things that um, you know, if not, I think uh, ironed out could plague this team and, you know, cause games they could win to, to become losses. Um, but I think the organization with all the assets that they have, they're not going to let um, you know, that sort of derail where they're trying to go. And that's where I see them, I think going over, certainly going over the 38 um, and, you know, I could see it, you know, if a bigger deal comes in, then it's, you know, 47, 48, you know, moving towards that seventh, six seeds, you know, Hopefully that's uh, that's the goal, and um, the deal is out there to, to happen.
1: Yeah. Um, question for you, Tommy. This is your opinion here. I think it's 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 on the record that the team had been trying to move, or at least gauging interest and value in Julius Randle uh, ever since I think last trade deadline. Like the, the not even just this offseason, season, the deadline as well. Do you think the front – so two-parter. Do you think the front office feels like they made a mistake not moving him in 2020, 2021 um, when his value was the highest? And then also, second part, do you believe that if he's able to rehab his value, there there are they are going to look to trade him? Great. Two
2: great questions. First, I would say – Um, I don't think they were really looking to move him at the peak. Uh, so I, I don't think that there was, you know, the real opportunity to, to do it last year, there was an opportunity to trade him. Um, if they included a first round pick, which they weren't willing to do because they were about to get into the Mitchell conversations. Mm -hmm. Um, so I feel like they could live with trading him with a first round pick, um, but as his contract, you know, as as the calendar moves forward, you know, the contract probably becomes better and more valuable. Maybe you don't need to include that first round pick, right? So um, I think the the answer to the first one was I don't think they had the opportunity to do it, so they don't regret it. Okay. Uh, the second one is um, if they have the right opportunity to do it, and and the locker room is at a point where it's like, yeah, we, we'd be okay with it. And, you know, Tibbs is like, yeah, yeah no problem. We go, we'd be okay with it as long as we got back, you know, veterans guys that I could trust and lean on, um, then, then they'd be okay moving him. And of course, if Obi just explodes and he's the guy, then, you know, they have to really consider trying to get him there and, and talk about, you know, get him to the 25, 30, 35 minute
1: spot where we were talking about before. Right. Right. Yeah, I mean i i wouldn't be i wouldn't be shocked if they found some sort of deal where it was like Julius and Cam Reddish, you know something, right around the 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 deadline, um, pair those two guys together, get you know whatever it is. I, I don't, i'm not even gonna sit here and speculate what it is because obviously we need to see you know how the next couple of months, you know, few months transpire and see who who could potentially come available. But, yeah, it's going to be really interesting. I think that, you know, consolidating Cam Reddish and a starter for a guy at the, you know, at a similar spot, I think that that's kind of like what this front office is looking to do. But neither here nor there. It's, it's for the future.
0: Hopefully, whether they end up dealing Randall or even Obi, I just hope they get the most value for him and, like, do it near where one of their peaks would be during the contract they have on the Knicks and not waiting until they go back down. Especially if Randall's, like, up one year down the next. I hope they do it near the top and not the bottom. I want to spitfire a couple quick uh, numbers to you guys. These are numbers the players had last year. Just a quick one-word answers, whether you think they'll be higher or lower this year. Uh, starting with Randall, he was 31% from
1: three last year. Higher or lower this year? Higher. Brad? Higher, but not by much. 32, 33 probably in that realm. Okay. RJ Barrett, 44% from two last year. Higher or lower? Higher. Absolutely higher. I he's, think it's same thing. He finished with his right hand now, so. He's 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 100% going to be higher. I, I would be shocked if he's not.
0: Derek Rose, 26 games played last year. Higher or lower? That's a good one.
2: We all hope higher, I take it. Yeah, 26 is, I mean, that's not many, right? It's yeah. barely over a quarter of the
1: season. I'll go higher. I think with his emphasis on Shedding some pounds, getting back to close to his rookie playing weight, higher. Doing At, some yoga, which I love. Yeah, man. 100%. I mean, I love it, yoga. Uh,
0: Mitchell Robinson, 49% free throw. Sure. Higher or lower?
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: just so uh, audio listens, uh, Brad had his fingers crossed and just sat silently. Oh, yeah. Ground. I'm sorry. I,
1: <laughs> crossed. I apologize. Yeah. I'll go first on that one. I watched. I watched him yesterday. It's just, he doesn't, he doesn't bend his knees. He, he's, he, he shoots like almost with his palm. Also audio listeners, I'm shooting with my palm. It's, it's the weirdest thing. Like you expect more out of the guy. He's so freaking good at basketball.
0: And then I think the last one, the most important, the most important for this team's success, Jalen Brunson, five assists, higher or lower.
2: Yeah, I'm gonna I'll go five right? okay. point one. Right, Or maybe even higher last year. So yeah, yeah, I'd say over five less than six. Um, but higher. Yeah.
0: And Brad.
1: I could see a world where he averages five. I can also see a world where he averages like seven and a half. Not even kidding. And uh, a lot of that has to a lot of that is gonna be predicated off of how how many minutes Derrick Rose I guess quote unquote takes from him, but um, depending on how that shakes out, I, like I said, I, I I absolutely see a world where he gets in that like six point eight six point nine seven point two realm. I can see that happening too. I'm I'm definitely going higher. I'll
0: I'll I would even put money on this. This dude's getting seven assists a game this year. And if he, do, I'm I'm willing to put it out there. The way he breaks down go. the defense. He gets open threes for guys. If Fournier can make a 3 a game, Grimes makes a 3 a game, RJ and Randall <laughs> both make a 3 a game, that's four right there off the stew dribble driving. I'm going to say 7 and I would I would strongly bet that if I could. Um last thing I I'll could go add- with
2: I could go with 7 just real quick if Randall weren't in the run, weren't in the lineup because they their skills are similar in number of drives, number of pass opportunities, assist opportunities. Yeah. So Randall gets you a couple that Brunson could get you. Um, but I see your point. Like if a guy, you know, a couple guys make a couple others, you know, more shots. Um, so yeah, I, I, it wouldn't shock me to see him have games that are 11, 12, 13. Um, but it would be way more consistent if, if Randall weren't in the lineup in my mind.
0: Good, uh, good combination question off that. Then do you think combined, they would get over or under 12 a game between Brunson and Randall
1: under 12. Under 12? Brad, what about you? Under, but slightly. Like, okay. I would say somewhere in the realm of uh, between 10 and 11. Okay. And I think we would all take that
0: as fans, honestly.
1: Also, because I, I would also like to see RJ up his playmaking. And uh, his. I, I, I want to see him. One of my goals for RJ Barrett is to get him in that four to four and a half range. So that's going to eat into someone's assists. Become more and more like a D-Wade Jimmy Butler type of player. Hell yeah. Would be ideal.
0: Yep. Um, really quick, just to do a preview of the Memphis game that we are all looking forward to 8 p.m. this upcoming Wednesday. Um, the starting five for Memphis, because uh, Triple J is out for, I think, a month and a half or two months. Um, it's da- Dylan Brooks. Uh, Santi Aldama has taken JJJ's spot, who is the second-year player out of Loyola. Uh, Steven Adams, and then their top two is Desmond Bain, Bain and obviously John ja Morant. Uh, the Knicks are currently seven point dogs in Memphis. Uh, Tommy first, what are you looking for in this game?
2: First of all, shout out Loyola Greyhounds in the Patriot League. Um, not a lot of pros out of that. So good to see uh, some someone uh, there filling a spot in the starting lineup, even though Jaron Jackson, who I love, one of my favorite players, and I, uh, you know, he's just a guy who obviously can't seem to stay healthy, but um, Knicks catching a break, not having him there. Um you know, listen, this is going to be game one, you know, lights on, right? And John Morant is, is going to be John Morant. And it's going to be the, you know, Morant, you know, R.J. Barrett narrative. And, you know, oh, uh, the Knicks, woe is us, right? They missed him by a spot and this and that. And, and I've never bought into that because of how high I've always been on R.J. So I think, honestly, not having uh, Jaron Jackson is going to be a real issue for Memphis, and the way the Knicks, I think, are coming together, uh, from what I've seen, and Brad, you know me, I've talked. We talked about this over the summer. Um, you know, I, I had a lot of questions coming in, but that preseason I, really impressed me a lot. So I think um, I think the Knicks can steal one here and really set the tone. Uh, similarly to the Giants going into Tennessee and beating on the Titans to sort of get their season going I think the first game really sets the tone in the NBA in a lot of ways um so you know that's a big that that one's going to be under the lights and uh you know Tibbs is going to be ready to to throw the kitchen sink at uh at John Morant who's going to be great but I think the Knicks uh, have a chance to steal one here for sure
1: Brad go ahead yeah um I I'll tell you outright uh two things I'm doing with that game I'm betting Knicks plus seven and the over whatever the hell it is. Cause I know that
0: it's 226 and a half. And if Tom Thibodeau has his way, they are not scoring 114
1: points. I'm just throwing it out there. Oof. Uh, (laughs) I didn't know it would be that high. I'm used to last year where like over unders for the Knicks were like 190 points. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Okay. Definitely taking Knicks plus seven, 100%, probably going to go with the over on RJ Barrett's points, whatever the hell those end up being, because I know RJ is going to want to shine. I'm just, you know, um, if you're going to give the Knicks seven points opening night, I don't care that it's in Memphis, and they don't have their second best player. I'm taking that all day. That said, uh, Desmond Bain has been one of my major comps for... Um, for Quentin Grimes and I would love to see Quentin starting in that game and, uh, and, and seeing those two guys go up against each other.
0: I don't think Grimes is going to start yet, but hopefully we get there soon. Uh, just to finish up Brad, I would go against you with the over. I'm definitely taking the under because as a Knicks fan, if I expect us to win, it's going to be 110 yeah. to 105 and Tom Thibodeau is going to try his best to hold them down. Um, Tom, if you just want to do a quick plug for yourself, I know you can be found in a couple of places and then we'll get out of here.
2: No, listen guys, I, I really appreciate you guys having me on. And, uh, uh, if you, uh, ever, you know, want me to come back on again, you know where to get me, um, at Thomas C D E at, uh, on Twitter, uh, also at modern underscore NBA. Um, and yeah, I, I've been, uh. Uh, not spending as much time there as I have maybe in years past, but um, you know, I'll, I'll be there once in a while and uh, continuing to just watch a lot of basketball and exciting, excited for, um, you know, this upcoming season for a lot of different reasons uh, as Knicks fans should be too. Right. Love it.
0: Find me at Joey Lindolfo. You can find us at big Nick energy underscore on Twitter, um, big Nick Ener- at big Nick energy on Instagram. And Brad is at Brad Dressler. 24. 24. I'm yep. going to remember the number one time at Brad Dressler, 24 is well, at Modelo Beckham, who's about to also have dinner with his grandma. So
2: with that, we're out. Let's go. Knicks 50 and 32. Peace.